You know what? What? You know what? Chicken butt. Welcome to a tribe called Methodist. Where we talk about social holiness, personal holiness, a whole lot of irrelevance and irreverence. A lot of irrelevance and irreverence. And the more the better. You know, I want to thank our listeners. I know there are at least a dozen of you out there uh, for uh, continuing to get our name out there. We're, we're, and, getting, uh, we're getting around. We are. We're getting around a little bit. I would uh, uh, really like it uh, uh, to hear from you. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. And if you would uh, be so kind as to leave a comment or, um, you know, you can tell us we're trash. We already know it. It's in the description. Absolutely. Um but it's, it's nice to hear it. It's nice to hear it, yeah. I, I don't mind being called names at all. Kind of comes with being a pastor, actually. I think so. Most of the time, though, they don't do it to your face. No, they wait till the parking lot. The parking lot. Yeah. Yes. It's part of the charm Yep. being yep. a pastor. Fighting an invisible force. Now, I, did, I did have a personal comment. Uh, somebody who listened to episode one. Really? Yeah. And they said they really, it was a layperson. Okay. Said they really enjoyed this sort of peek behind the curtain. It gave them a different appreciation of of our world. I don't know what to say, but um, really felt like it's sort of provided a insider's look uh, in a way that um, they had never experienced before. Um, I want to give a shout out to my mother, who I did not invite to listen to this podcast, but she did anyway. And uh, sorry, mom. Yeah, she's going to clean my mouth out next time I see her. Or not sorry, because... Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. So I want to, before we get any further tonight, we've got to do two things. The first thing we've got to do is we have to have the beer of the day. Yes. And the beer of the day is what? We, the beer of the day is a Jack Abbey's House Lager, which is a golden lager. And uh, what I like about this is Jack's Abbey has gone full German on this. And uh, it's a great looking can like they were, you know, basically uh, right out of of Munich. Yeah. Unfiltered, unpasteurized, Framingham Mass. So uh, cheers to you, Jack's, for making us a great house beer tonight. How about a uh, soundtrack? Jeez, that's a tough one. You and I kind of were in... Uh, we were very different places. You yeah, and yet similar messages, I think. But I'm not... I, yeah, yeah. So I was listening to uh, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, which I think is pretty telling for the condition of the yeah, church right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you were listening to... I've been listening to Alice in Chains' uh, newer album, Rainier Fog. Um it's a great album. I really like it. Um, I know that not everybody loves Alice in Chains since they've been, uh, you know, redone with a new singer. Uh, you know, it's hard to replace a guy as legendary uh, as their original singer, um, Lane Stanley. Um, but, um you know the, the 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 licks are still there. Uh, the it's still really grungy. It still sounds really really good. And really, Allison Chains is pretty much all we have left. If you uh, 
are looking for the newer Seattle, the the, the classic '90s Pearl, Seattle sound. I guess Pearl Jam. Still yeah, kinda, Pearl Jam. Kind of making his way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were stuck on that. You were listening to Ten not too long. Ago. Yeah, I was. I was listening to Ten not too long. So you kind of been in that. that been West in the Seattle. Scene. There's been there's a sense of it has um, been very rainy. It's been terribly rainy here up yeah, here. Yeah, I think it's actually rainier here than it is in Seattle. It's been awful. It's been an awful summer. Yeah. Hey, today was a gem. Today was a gem. Tomorrow Wednesday. looks good. Yeah. Wednesday looks good. Then, then forget it. I'm taking a Bison's game in for myself on Wednesday. I'm very excited about that. As you should. I uh, also uh, got tickets to uh, see the Blue Jays on Canada Day. Nice. Um. The Blue Jays are wretched this year. They have these flashes. Last night's game. Yeah. Wasn't it 12-0? 12, yeah. They yeah. Beat, beat up on the Houston Astros. Yeah. Um, but but more often than not, their bats are silent. Their pitching is horrible. I, I expect them to return to form t- tonight. Um, yeah, well. But, but who knows? Who yeah. knows what will happen? Um, so we wanted to talk tonight a, a little bit about Clergy pay, pay cuts. Yeah, pay cuts. The status of yeah. clergy and education yeah. and debt. And I think that whole. I think yeah. I mean, this is a big topic that we could cover uh, because I think if you, I think if you, and this is the reason we started this podcast because we were in such a quandary about all the things that are hitting us. Yeah, I mean, because it's all kind of hitting at once. The yeah, the the as far as the denomination and with the general conference, which we've already talked about. And then the, there's also the state of many local churches. Yeah. Then there's also the issue of what's going on with, um, uh, finances. Um, well, yeah. And then, you know, I suppose we could put in the grander sort of reality of society, secularization, secularization. The rise of the nuns and, all that kind of stuff. It um, it's all kind of hitting at once. It's all kind of hitting at once, and it's it's a uh, it's a difficult thing. So I know that I highlighted. Uh, maybe we could put it in the show notes. But the Christian Century had an article about clergy pay um, just recently, and that article was a comparison that was done of uh, pay of public school educators, public school teachers, compared to clergy pay, and it was showing levels of compensation and, and how clergy pay um, was stable or above average pay until about 1970, I think is when it showed they intersected. The point of the article was to show that um, educators have been rallying for increased pay and saying that clergy do not have this capacity to advocate for a living wage. Meanwhile, uh, congregations still have an expectation of, you know, presentable clergy, well-dressed clergy, clergy with functional vehicles to get around. Not to mention educated. And educated, yeah, yeah. Particularly if if you're going to be a credentialed person, you know, in our denomination, you've got to have a seminary education. So you're talking about a th- four-year college and three years of of graduate school, and that's a lot of education. Yeah, and and I, I don't want anybody. I think most of the people who listen to us right now are, are, are other pastors. So you, you all get this, but 
I don't want anybody to hear that we're we're complaining about our paychecks. We're not. It's just a general sense of it's that one more thing that you're going, how much longer can I really hang on and, and do this with everything else that's, you know, falling apart? Can I do this as a job anymore? Can I do this as a career? Right. And the follow-up to that, to some degree, is more institutional, is if we're wondering why the best and the brightest aren't choosing ministry, it's because there's no benefit on the other side. That's not to say, which is often thrown at us, that the driving impetus is compensation. Um, But when you know that you can be an educator and you have a much more stable future um, and the amount of educational debt you need to get there, is less, it's kind of a, a tough choice to choose ministry over, over that, let alone any number of other career choices or even just um, certification courses that, that pay better Absolutely, uh, and, and choose ministry. So sometimes I wonder if the state of the church isn't also a result that we're no longer attracting people who are truly bright and talented individuals because... What's the benefit? And the article highlighted that, you know, 1970, you're still talking about single income. You said clergy now? Impossible. Forget being single Impossible. income, uh, married individual with a family. And, yeah. And uh, not struggling. Absolutely. That's the thing. I mean, we, we are talking about, in the, at the very least, you know, feeding our families after coming off of long, you know, Seminary was a three-year program at one point, and it still can be done in three years in in most cases for an MDiv. But some of the MDiv programs have stretched much longer mm-hmm. than they were. I mean, when I went to Asbury, Asbury's MDiv was 96 credit hours. I, I think that's what I think that's what Boston was. I now, when I, when I went to Colgate-Rochester, uh, CRCDS, the... It was only 76 really? credit hours. Yeah. Huh. You know, back in the day, the three vocations were law, medicine, and the church and clergy. And the educational requirements, those were the three long programs. So the educator for the church took three years, medicine took four, law took three. And they were terminal degrees. Old school guys had... had uh, Bachelor of Divinity. It was a yeah, bachelor yeah, divinity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was terminal. Yeah. There was not really something that you went on to. Now yeah. we have deep demons and all that yeah. other st- and you know, PhDs for any of those career fields. But MDiv no longer is seen as a terminal yeah. terminal degree. Whereas yeah. law is still a JD. Right. It's terminal. And, yeah. and uh same with a physician, a medical doctor. It's yeah. terminal. Yeah. There there isn't more. It's yeah. it's interesting how that's changed over yeah. time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and, you know, I, I've, you know, the occasion to get those clickbait articles are like, don't go into these 10 careers, you know, they're not worth it for the money. Well, so the, I've, I've looked at, I teased out some of this, uh, as I was doing some, some sociology works, graduate work after my MDiv, the occupational prestige is still relatively high for clergy. I'd say it's dropping because- Unfortunately, of all the clergy scandals that have gone on, it has also depressed the sense of the value of clergy in the wider community. 
Absolutely. When uh, I when I wear a collar, sometimes I think, what are people thinking of me in yeah. this moment? Yeah, I uh, I can understand. Um, now my brother works at a Catholic university, and so the collar has, I think, different a little different context. Yeah, in in that um, context, but uh, I definitely can feel what you're feeling. Yeah, when you're in maybe a hospital or or maybe just around town you just yeah, have driving it like, in the car yeah just in the car it, 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 listening to Alice in Chains listen to Alice in Chains case of beer next to you yeah, yeah. you know just that's as how it do. goes yeah. as one does when you're in this day and age maybe I'm kind of the one who's contributing to the no that's not that's not it anyway so, so what do you think <laughs> the the to give our listeners a little context, we've also come out of a situation, and uh, um, I took a pay cut tonight. You, you did. I it, lost my benefits, but it's something both you and I have been before, as far as our status goes. You have returned to this status. We're in a situation, and, and this is true across fields where healthcare is incredibly expensive as a benefit, and um, you know, with that being an option coming through spousal coverage. Mm-hmm. If you go less than full time, you eliminate that responsibility on the local church. And, and so it's a great way to save money, but there's also this sense of, wait a minute, now I'm not full time on paper. And what made it interesting for me as, as a fully credentialed person, I had to sign a piece of paper because part of the responsibility that that is owed to me is a full-time appointment. That's right. As a local pastor, it's a little different. Not so with me. Right. Um, which I have to say, the the gravitas of signing that paper was exactly what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a weird thing to think, okay, 40 years old, technically on paper, I'm less than full-time. Yeah, that was what was, that's, that's what's... I saw it on your face. That's what's eating at me tonight. Yeah. And what's been... It first didn't bother me, you know. The, the church definitely needs the break financially. Well, and I and I shared with your church. I I think that this is potentially something that could happen in my own context again for mm-hmm. the same rationale. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that that kind of bothers me. Yeah, I mean, there's also. I mean, I understand the benefit. But yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, the other thing that is in the back of my mind, and, you know, listeners, if you think I'm wrong here, let me know. But in the back of my mind, there is this thing that says, well, you're, you are three-quarter time here. So, you know, I know that there's kind of a handshake agreement here that you are still going to give them full-time, full-time status. status. But it's kind of like, eh, you're not, you're not, you are not paying for this. And really, if you're in this situation, you you probably don't technically need me to be full-time. Now, I, I know mm-hmm. that there are, I know that there are um, going to be maybe people who think, well, you know, you, you can, you can give it your all and you can give the extra hours. You can create new ministries and new programs. But that's not really how our congregations usually work. It's a, a lot of times I find in my experience doing a lot of new things as a pastor is like punching into a pillow. 
you think you're really being effective yeah. when all you're really doing is wearing yourself out. Yeah. I've used the, I've used the illustration of a marshmallow before. So it's malleable and it's soft and nice, but it goes back to the shape that it was before ultimately, Absolutely. which means who's it tiring out? The yeah. person doing Us. it. Yeah. yeah. The clergy. Yeah. But this may be even larger than, than we as clergy in this sense of how churches are with employees of which we are one. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're crappy employers because they take advantage of employees in the sense of not really being considerate for, um, as you said, that uh, you're three-quarter time. So if you really parse that out into how many weeks of work that is, that would mean you wouldn't give them as many weeks of the year. Hey, I'm only here three-quarters of the year. Yeah, You only pay me for three-quarters yeah. of the year. Or four days instead of five. Right. You know? But again, it's an so awful. So, are hard... we doing our churches justice when we give them? This is what I mean by no. bad employer. And, and is, we're is, certainly... is where are they advocating for us or or any employee? We only pay you for twenty hours. After twenty, you should be out of here. Or we're only paying you three quarter time. At three quarter time, doesn't matter what work is left. You got to you got to go. We're, we're certainly not doing our the people who come after us any favors. Mm. You know. Yeah. Our successors are. Unless they're fully informed, and I think most of us are kind of informed, although we're not rookies, and and you know this is looking more and more like a, <laughs> looking more and more like a rookie appointment all the time. I mean, just as far as you know, its ability to pay somebody. Well, and that may be universal. How many years of ministry you got now? Fifteen. Right, and I have. I'm coming into eighteen now. Yeah. I looked around at annual conference and thought, how many people have been here 18 years? How many people are at my credentialing level this long? Yeah. Most people are, yeah, you know, 10 years or less. Sure. So that whole rookie sent sentiment is, I think, more universal. Sure. You know, one of my churches, the person that followed me had served one place before. Right. I'm on my... Even though fifth place, I don't know if that's good or bad. Was, it's a thing. Was much older than you. Correct. Yeah. So we got a lot of second career folks. Nothing against second career people. No, just different. Cool that you 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 uh, answered the call when you did, um, and we're definitely grateful to have you as colleagues. But it means that there's a whole pool, and this is another thing. It is, means that there's a whole pool of people who are older but have no experience. Yeah. Um. And also, who in many cases have already served full careers in something else, and are retired, mm-hmm. and so so they already have a retirement income yeah. from another source. So a lot of for a lot of people, they're going half time and thinking this is just fun, and I can spend sixty hours a week. Yeah, this is this is just funsy. This is this is yeah. something I uh, I don't mind. I don't mind spending sixty hours a week here because, technically speaking, I'm I'm giving all my time. Yep. I, it, the 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 twenty hours a week that I'm being compensated for is nice, but so well, kids are grown, gone. It, you know, they don't have the same concerns because I know part of what I've run into in the churches I've served. I, I think you're probably in a similar place somewhat. Is they're not used to a pastor that's got a young kid at home, yeah, and a spouse that works, and you know, this is kind of either the churches were 
old school in the sense of a clergy spouse that didn't work. Right. Um, or a clergy that had no children or were beyond children. So having children in school is, is kind of a different scenario. And, and churches get excited about it, but at the same time, I, f- I feel like sometimes they're ill-equipped. Well, that and... and or, or they don't understand the context of what today, parenting today that's, is like. That's exactly what I was going to bring yeah. up. It is so different today. Yeah. Even from when I was growing up, the number of activities, the number of... I mean, yeah. in many ways, the school has largely stepped into the sphere socially of the church. Oh, yeah. So not only are they doing things for the students and all those after-school programs, but a lot of these after-school programs are also inclusive of parents. So like mm-hmm. there's like a family carnival. Everybody come out, eat a slice of pizza, hang out with your, your kids, learn something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they have food truck days. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff that, that, you know, so, you know, but you know, it's not their fault. The, the, the church largely has abdicated this. Yeah. Either, either by, you know, it's sense of, its own decline, or in some cases, you know, I, I many mainline churches just said, you know what, we don't want to bother anymore. Well, I don't know that they always did it very well. Well, you know, so that could have been part of the not. problem. Is 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 that I I wonder sometimes, or I speculate, and I know we're kind of meandering in our topics, sure. and that's fine. But when the church lost really being the social service agency the one that had the the home for the elderly and the hospital, the hospital and uh, children's home. Mm-hmm. Um, when that all became state run, did the church in some ways lose its very core identity of providing help? And ever since then it's floundered to really define missionally the sense that they are helping the, the poor and the elderly and, you know, the things that, that by yeah. the gospel we're called to do, but yeah, we, because we've just not been really good at redefining how that is now the government has stepped in. Yeah, because largely we're doing kind of token things. We're not actually, I mean, you know, you can go and help at a food pantry and you can organize yeah. a you know group of people to do that. Or you can go take a group of kids to the, the nursing home and that's that's all really good. Right. You can go build homes somewhere. And- yeah, you can go do Habitat House and... There's a lot of good things that you can do, and sure. and those are those are positive things, and the church needs to do those things, but they're not actually. They're not the parent organization actually in charge of those. Like they don't, they don't own it. They're just sending people to it. They're not yeah. actually owning the mission itself. The mission itself is like oh, that's Habitat. That's a separate organization. That's, you know. The nursing home, that's a separate organization. That's the hospital, that's a separate organization. Right, right, right. I I think of Golden Cross Sunday. And for the non-Methodists, this this used to be a special offering. Most churches even, I think, barely follow it at all. But it was a special offering to support those nursing homes that were still really a denominational nursing home. And um, it reflected that sense of we corporately provide this service. And this offering is helping with this. And, and now we are just so disconnected. I mean, those have all become for-profit realities. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of our, we, we really don't, don't have anything anymore. My mother went to Iowa Methodist Nursing School. That was, it was Methodist. It was, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we got our own, you know, Beachwood 
Yeah. And I think the biggest church, the church's biggest connection to that anymore is probably the Beechwood Guild. Yeah. Well, in history, but yeah, it's, in history. A, it's a for-profit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, yeah. I mean, Gateway Gay, Gay Longview would be the other one. That would be, that would, was our home for, for children. And that also is now its own 503. Mm-hmm. 501c3. Yeah. 501c3. Yeah. And, you know, gone. It used to be a message that we heard. Mm-hmm. This is ours. Mm-hmm. Take care of it. Help us. So pulling this all back yeah, to please. the yeah. So we pull we 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 kind of went off a little bit, but you know the, we were talking about how the reality is different. So it's different for for young pastors uh, with families, and I'm we're getting the, mad. Another delicious house logger. The working spouse thing is another challenge. Yeah. Um. Well, and I'm going to voice something that, and maybe your spouse says it as well. But my spouse says. I don't think you understand I have two jobs. I have the job that I do five days a week, and then I have the job that is being your spouse. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think in that way, it's that there are a few, there are a few um, jobs like this anymore, but one of them is maybe the politician's I was, spouse. I was going to say probably yeah. that would be the one that I thought of. But you have to be that, that public figure right. who is smiling next to their spouse. Right. You know, um, even when you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a take in, this is an example. I had a take in at a church, a take in, in uh, for, for non-Methodists where we are presented to a church that we might serve. And it was the day that we found out, uh, that we miscarried. Oh my goodness. And Leanne went with me and she had to put on, I had to put on that happy face. And I thought, this is bullshit. That's, that's insane. It, but it just felt so inauthentic. But it was one of those moments like, you just got to do it. You know, hey, yippee, wow. yipp, yippee doo. But, oh my gosh. But um, it's the last last thing we wanted. And that was our, I think that was our second miscarriage. So it was really raw. That's awful. But yeah, imagine that, a take-in. And you've just found out that afternoon. And you got to put on the smiling face. And, and, and I'm not sure the churches really appreciate that. We as clergy and, and, and our families, we go through shit. Yeah. And that shit hits at whatever time it hits. And sometimes it hits on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Yeah. And we don't want to be anywhere but in our own little hidey hole. But we have to crawl yeah, out. Yeah, we got to go out. And, hey, this is the day. Right. This is the day that the Lord has. We have to be yeah. very invested in yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I was in a church when our second daughter was born. Um, and they were they were really supportive at first. Mm-hmm. The first month, they were mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, really. But then they do what all people do. They got compassion fatigue. Mm. And then by the third month that our kid was in the still in the NICU, they were like when are we going to get you back? Yeah, where are you at, man? Where are you at? And I'm like, I'm, I'm with my kid. Now, look, I know that if I was with, if, if I was in a secular job, there, there would be that that pressure to come back probably much quicker. But also... Um, this was before family leave. I mean, you think now you yeah, probably would have... I would have taken, taken family leave. leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this was before that. That was available mm-hmm. as an option. Mm-hmm. But I just think, wow, you know, 
they were, and and my ministry there was never the same after that. Mm. I you know I I always say you know yeah it was it had totally changed the dynamic. And actually, that's one of the reasons I went back to seminary was because there was a sense of I'm limited in what I can do anymore. Mm-hmm. So I might as well just go to seminary. Um, I suddenly I I'm I'm not saying it's like a like a, oh I might as well go to seminary. I'm saying like oh, I I have the freedom to do this because for what I broke the for whatever reason and I'm not blaming myself, but the relationship was broken through that trauma. Sure. And because it was broken, I suddenly felt the freedom to go and just go to seminary again. But it's changed the life cycle within a church. But f- for those of us that are in ministry, there is a life cycle in a church. There's definitely a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. There is definitely a um, settling in period, which is often when I'd say the most contention happens. Yeah, people um, are testing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where exactly is the line? And um, once the line is found, a lot of times, then you you really get, I think, to the most fruitful Mm -hmm. time. And then there's a redefining, and you kind of go through all the phases again after the redefining. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we. I mean, if you're going to continue to like challenge the you know congregation, you're going to have to reinvent yourself every so often. Yeah. And that can be, that's always a crisis point. Yeah. You know, where you give either I'm done here or I'm going to redefine myself. I'm going to take it in a different direction. I mean, empty the thunder mug or. uh, I know some pastors that have literally like destroyed their churches on purpose. For the. For the to, to for the reinvention for, for reinvention. I'm not only going to reinvent myself. I'm, I'm going to reinvent, reinvent my entire congregation. Sheesh, that's um okay. I don't know if I could go that far. I know, but that's I mean, but I can understand. I've it. seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. There, yeah. There's a guy. He's great at getting his church up to 125. He's awesome at it. That's that is kind of a glass ceiling number. Yeah. To be honest, it depends on the. So he the gets structure. there and it gets really comfortable. Yeah, and then he like literally blows it up. And I don't know if like his board is in on it. And so like, they're cool. Like, Oh yeah. As long as the seven of us are around, you can do whatever you want. Pastor kick everybody to the curb. That's fine. Is is this United Methodist setting? It's a free Methodist church. Okay. Yeah. Which is, which is similar. Similar, but there may be a different, I think liberties. I think free Methodists and their polity get a pastors, get a vote on the board. I think that's one of the big differences. Because I would think that if you blew up your church, the likelihood of staying yeah. in another appointment yeah. cycle would be pretty hard. Yeah. This guy's been there for 30 years, over 30 years. Wow. I mean, he's, he's done it about three times. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. Um, last time he did it, he turned it into a cafe. So you can imagine it is the ultimate baby boomer church. I think they all drive Harleys and drink coffee and you know have like a soul patch yeah i mean and they all can afford the gibson guitar and they wanted to play in the band but they weren't good enough when they were young and now they can yeah i dig it yeah all right yeah i mean i don't dig it but i I understand (laughs) it it. yeah the ultimate boomer church so did you preach on trinity sunday did you preach trinity oh i sure did oh yeah tell me where'd you go with it 
So well, let me let me tell you, I I started by saying, interestingly, this is the only Sunday which has nothing to do with an event. Not the birth of Jesus, not the death of Jesus, not the resurrection of Jesus, not appearance of Jesus. It's the only one that has to do with a concept. That's a good point. Isn't that interesting? That's like, a it's really the only good Sunday point. that is conceptual. That's a really good point. Mine, I tried to do like a, um, and you can find my my preaching on YouTube, on my my own channel. Um, I put, it's I got put his own channel. Got my own channel. My messages are, they're intense, man. Totally my own. <laughs> and when I, I need good preaching, I go to Matt's <laughs> channel. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to check this one out. So I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I turned it into a. I tried to do a very serious thing in a very kind of non-serious way. Okay. So I talked about the Trinity in terms of its being, um, number one, incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we did was. We read the Nicene Creed. Okay. Yeah, because, you know. It's Trinity Sunday, of course. Pull it out. Get the big one out. Yeah, yeah. You know. Did you make them stand up? I should have, but I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Like, a lot of my people can't stand up. Oh, good point. You know? yeah. um, but, uh, and, and you know, Chris would say I, I'm being ableist. Hmm. You know. Stand if you're able. But mo- we mostly just say stand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that matters. Yeah. Never thought of it. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Anyway, anyway. sidetrack. So um so we, we read the Nicene Creed and then I said Any questions? <laughs> oh good. We can we can go home then. Yeah, then we're all done. I basically said you the night the 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 reason the creeds have stood the test of time is because they say the what without trying to say the how or the why. If I could turn back <laughs> That's right. Turn it back to three twenty-five. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that's what I. That's I'm picking up what you're putting down. Basically, what I was trying to do. I was trying to say, let's. The Trinity is all about the what. It is not about the why or the how. Because once you get into the why or the how, you end up with. Um, so we kind of, I think, came at it similarly. Okay. I didn't start in the same place. But um, yeah, but I like the way you started. That's really interesting. But uh, I, um, I said it's not about explanation; it's by experience. The Trinity is not something you explain. And then I went into different. I totally went to experience. It, but it's something you experience. So there's a story. By the way, do you say Augustine or Augustine? Um, I know this is one of the great arguments that I'm actually. A, I, I, I vacillate. I, I probably say him, say Augustine, uh, Augustine and Augustine. Yeah. You know what it depends? So, it depends on like, if you're having like a really intense theological conversation, it's probably Augustine. Yeah. But, but if, if you're St. Augustine. Yeah. If you're, if you're quoting him or you're referencing him in a sermon, it's definitely St. Augustine. So have you ever heard the story of him walking on the beach and encountering the child? This is a great. Refresh my memory. Okay. So there's he 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 is he walked away from his study where he has been trying to write on the Trinity, and he goes for a walk on the beach, and he sees a child picking up water out of the ocean and running up the beach and dumping it in the sand, and does it over and over and over again. And Saint Augustine says, "What are you doing?" And he says, "I'm trying to empty the ocean." 
And he said, that's impossible. And he said, it's more possible than you trying to explain the Trinity. Oh, wow. <laughs> is, that an, is that an apocryphal story or I, is that something that... Is that something that Augustine himself referenced? I don't know. I'll have to look it up, but okay. I, I found it somewhere. That's a great story. And and that was kind of my segue into getting into, it is not about explanations, but about experiences. Yeah. yeah. Like all good Methodist things, it's about experience. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's one of the things I, I really tried to play up, was the fact that the Trinity is not a doctrine we arrive through by, um, you know, a nice a nice explanation in the pages of the new Testament. Yeah. We get it because the disciples are with this, their master and, you know, they're starting to understand that this guy is God in the flesh. Somehow they don't know how that works either, but yeah. And he says, Hey, by the way, I'm going to flake out. Yeah. But he also says, um, but he's also doing things like praying to his father. Yeah. And, and, you know, wait a minute, okay, God's up there, but God's also here, and then God's going to send another someone? And so, like, the, it's that's a whole experience. Like, we need a way to explain what we see. We know that this doesn't make any sense at all. So what would you do for a children's moment? Um, Sometimes I think this kind of gets to our sermons. I, I did... Uh, I did, uh, well, I didn't do one at the, the one church because cause, uh, our Sunday school time is over and, you know, the kids have kind of flaked out. Yeah. Um, I'm now asking my daughter, and I only have one child uh, for our listeners, um, and it, in, in this church, she doesn't like to come up alone. Mm-hmm. So I asked her, I said, there's one other kid here. Are you okay or not? She's like, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. I think it was because I had goldfish crackers. Nice. But oh, you give kids a snack? That's a good idea. I do. And I, and I was, yeah, it's I was, not I'm, a bribe. I'm riffing just, off, yeah. go and be fishers of people. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I like yeah. that. So um, I asked the kids, uh, do you believe in God? And they were like, sure. What would you do if one of them was like, nope. <laughs> oh, they're like, Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I can respect that. You you probably actually thought about this question. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I, you know, it's funny, a little aside, when I meet like principled atheists, not like the aggressive, like jerk ones, like like um, like um the neo-atheist crowd, but like, like the real principled ones are like, yeah, no, I don't believe in God. I thought a lot about it. And I just don't believe in God. Yeah, I just can't get there. I'm like, I can respect you. Yeah. I don't agree with you, but I respect you. And they- and they respond in the same way, you know, are you just like going with the flow or whatever? Uh, no, like I, this is a conviction I've come to over much, much pain and prayer, you know, like, right. you know, and they respect that, that back. back. So anyway, do you believe in it? Do you believe in Jesus? You're oh, like, well, you're, you're riffing off the Nicene okay. Creed, yeah. right? So that was kind of your. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And of course I came to the Holy Spirit and, and the kids were like, yeah. Yeah, I totally believe in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whatever, this is over you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have, the one church is, is you know, we've got like an entire generation missing. So I only have very little kids. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of refreshing. It's like a four and, un, it's a four and under crowd. Wow. So my like, kind of crowd right there. That's my mentality <laughs> level. Yeah. So, you know, I've got- Wearing like, diapers and hanging out. Exactly. Yeah. And they're I cool. And found there's my one, there's church. Like, I found like, my home church, folks. There's the one kid who like will not sit near me. 
Excellent. Like, that is definitely my church. Like, walks up and he stares at me. <laughs> and then he like immediately makes his way to the furthest point that he can still like be a part of it. But not have to be. But not have to be near me. It's, it's awesome. I love that kid. Yeah. Yeah. That kid's awesome. Um, and then, and then, uh, so I said, you know, it's like a, the matrix. Moment. What if I told you? Oh, red pill. Yeah. <laughs> or is it blue pill? That the father, the son, and the Holy spirit are all the same. Bum, all the same. Bum, they were like, mic drop. They're, they're kids. Oh yeah. Sure. Totally believable. Cool. All right. I said, just keep that in mind. The next 10 years, I'll see you at confirmation <laughs> and we'll see. All right. All okay. Right. That was my children's story. So I had two kids plus myself, which interestingly made it three. Whoa. And uh, I did a, a play on a chain. Said, you know, what's a chain look like? I said, could we make a chain? We can make a chain. I said, okay, which one of us is the chain? We're all the chain. Oh, wow. I said, okay. Uh, what's connected us together? Well, our arms. You know, and just kind of went with, okay, well, we know God in this way. of Three different yeah. expressions, three different avenues. Which one is God? Mm-hmm. They're all God. Mm-hmm. And what's the connection? And it kind of played with yeah, the idea of connecting. I like that. What connects God together is love. What connects God to us is love. We're connected into the chain mm-hmm. by that. And God calls us to connect to others to connect into the chain. And not to be snarky, but I would say it. this is what you get with an ordained elder versus a local pastor. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> I I, I I really worked on that one. That's honest. good. I yeah. like that yeah. a lot. That's very, very good. Um, now we're parsing out like term and stuff. We started off with like pay. Pay cuts. Yeah. yeah. I, Matt took a pay cut, so he wants to talk about. Well, I think what's hard is, you know, we look at our churches and they've got 50 years of deferred maintenance. Oh, yeah. Uh, they've gone from being places that really could offer good support mm-hmm. and sound housing for mm-hmm. its time yep. to the clergy uh, to play and, and supportive staff mm-hmm. um, along with whatever was needed at that time, you know? So this is in some places kind of pre-computer, but the copiers and other things like that are soundboards of the time. Mm-hmm. We've now reached an Avenue where I think all of us feel like cobblers. Absolutely. We cobble together what we need to try to make our offices function. Mm -hmm. We cobble together the things that we need to try to make the technology in our sanctuary or otherwise function. That's right. We cobble together enough money to keep our buildings functioning. Yeah. And we cobble together enough money for the houses and ultimately our compensation. So everything feels constantly like it's nearly broken. That's right. Well, I'll give you a good example. Um, I, you, you probably saw in, in my compensation sheet tonight, I take a, I take a very large for my position, a very large professional or accounts reimbursable. Yeah, you do. It's very it's big, big. It's bigger than mine. But the reason. It's bigger than mine. Yeah, well, you know, every so often I got to get something it's bigger. R- it's how you write with the pencil. That's right. 
So and I can write in cursive. So <laughs> you are you see again ordained versus local pastor. Um, but one of the things that I've done is when I buy something new, guess where the stuff that is still functional goes? But to the, to the goes church. to the church. Yeah, and and um, you know. Sometimes the church needs, you know, like like the technology thing is a real pain in the neck because you need it. Microphones. It's it's like, not glamorous. No. You know, people don't like to yeah. shell out the dough for that stuff. I like that stuff it. because I like tech. Yeah. And I like that's your thing. Yeah, getting that box from Sweetwater or B and H or wherever in the mail, super fun. Yeah. And 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 for our listeners, I go to Matt and say, Hey, I need some stuff. What should I get? And then what I do is I say, it's been 10 years since I really knew what I was talking about. Let me talk to my brother. Right. So and we then, have our sources. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but churches usually, if you leave them to their own devices, they get crap. Oh. They get crap. Yeah. And that crap doesn't last. Yeah. It doesn't and last. And the crap and then, doesn't sound good or, or it's not, yeah. you know, the lights aren't yeah. that, whatever it is. Or they get, they get ripped off because, oh because somebody knew somebody. I, I got that situation and I, I, I try to, I try to treat it like an object lesson. Like, you know, what did you pay for this originally? Well, you know, if you'd done this, you'd have paid less and gotten a whole lot more. Right. Like you need to properly bid these, you know, again, it's like a fi- financial thing. You need to properly bid these things. You can't just go by whoever knew whoever and trust that because People mean well, but they end up, they're not really experts, and they end up giving the churches less than what they should actually get. Right. Well, so back to compensation and yet then back to churches as well. They expect their clergy to be bright, prepared, articulate, theologically sound, capable, always available, you know, Great at a bedside, as well as quick with a joke at a picnic. Uh, and 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 yet, there is this element of Joe Blow being okay to fix the bathroom at the church. Right. That is kind of like, okay, wait a minute. You want your clergy right. to be able to carry this off, but your buildings, right, are, are terrible. And also, you want the freedom to tell your clergy person, "Oh, I could do that." Yeah. I could do what you do. Yeah. You, you suck. Yeah. I, oh. So the you suck kind of reaction is a, I think it's a symptom of where we're at, maybe compensation wise. It's also a larger reflection of um, just the fact, like the whole, everybody who has any expertise is under attack in society. So Yeah, but we're all like, at the same time, we're all expected to be ultimate experts. Right. At what we do, narrowly. Right. Yeah. So I know I had, um, cited a study to you once, and I did find it, and I never actually sent you the link, but it was a study that looked at the way that clergy spent their time, 1950 versus... Oh, yeah, yeah, you did, send, you did send that to me. And that was another Christian century thing, wasn't it? No. No, it was like a... Oh, Barna. I can't remember. One of them. Anyway, um, what it showed is that in 1950... 70% of the time was sent, spent in uh, personal study, research, and sermon development and articulation. And 
the remaining 30% was spent in administration, hospital visitation, those kind of things. And when we get to 1992,000, I forget when the, when mm-hmm. the closing year was, um, 10% of time was spent in, in personal study, sermon preparation, and, uh, and writing. And the remaining 90% was spent in administration, email correspondence, phone calls, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, again, I think goes into this, this sense that we've, how, how have we dumbed down the expectation? Like it used to be that that message on Sunday was this potent thing. Right. People expected it to right. be long. Yeah. 20, 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. You're looking at deep. Right. Well thought out, articulate. Researched. Researched. This was a learning moment for everyone. And, and uh, I, I don't know. what Pastor's happened. library actually made a difference. It it did. It did. It you read that declaration. stuff. Yeah. The next time I move offices, that stuff is. I mean, it was great while I was in seminary, but. And I, I still pick up a few books. You, you know, know the few that you pick up that'll yeah. go with you, but the majority It's like a couple shelves. It's not it's not yeah. like it's not like you know, like I've I've got a pretty decent library at this point. And I have a shelf of Greek books. I don't even know what to Yeah. Those Greek books. I mean they're fun to look at, but hey, look how smart I am. B Dag. Who cares? What a great I just love that book though. It's the Greek lexicon. Yeah. It's 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 always gonna stay with me. Probably my, my my favorite set. It was given to me by Paul Womack uh, in one of his campaigns abroad. Provided him with really? extra income to buy that, but he bought a full set of the TDNT, the Theological yeah. Dictionary of the New Testament. That sucker is the encyclopedia for language nerds. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to show you sometime because yeah. when you're really Want to go down some yeah, dark some rabbit, rabbit hole. hole? Yeah, like man, yeah. I'm I'm gonna look into this yeah. word right here. Yeah, I want to know that word. Yeah, that's anyway, awesome. You're right. I mean, we've we've we passed this, and I don't know if that's aided this sense of well, I can do what they do. Right? Can that's, you? That sucks. I hate. I just hate that mentality. Oh, I can do what you do. Yeah. Can you? I don't think you can. I don't think you really understand what this is. What's going on here? You see the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But it, there's so much more be- below the surface. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you really love this thing, it's gonna. Yeah, and I and I think it's, tough. it's the Jeremiah, right? I, and and this was episode one. Yeah. Like you, you've, you got to know that there's nothing else. Yeah. And this is the this is the pain of of why we do. The, this is the pain of the irrelevance, pain, princess. Yeah, the because pain. of the pain. This is the pain of irrelevance. Hmm. The irrelevance is hilarious in some ways because, hey, yeah, we're relevant. Who gives a shit? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah ha, ha, ha. Clergy. Yeah. I, Whereas my relevant. hairdresser said it, yeah. you're clergy. Clergy. What's clergy do? <laughs> to which I was like, fuck if I know yeah. what clergy uh, do. <laughs> you know you know that that my daughter did the same thing? We, we pulled into a, a clergy parking spot at a... um. Like a hospital funeral or something? Home. A, a funeral, funeral home. Okay. Yeah. I took her to a funeral Suburban home. has a clergy spot. Did you know that? Yes. Did you park in it? I didn't. Oh, God. No, there was one that was closer that was open. 
Oh, you was lucked like, out. Know. I know I did. It was, that is a rare anomaly at that hospital. Yeah, it was kind of a weird time of day. Yeah, it's like one and one thirty in the afternoon. Which is interesting. The suburban has a clergy spot uh, because Catholic hospitals bless the Catholics. Do not. They always do. They always do. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mount Saint Mary's. Yeah, Mount they're Saint always Mary's taken. Does. Yeah, they're always taken. <laughs> they're yeah. always taken. Yeah. Imagine so, that. Here's the one benefit to being clergy, folks. Catholic hospitals, there's a spot, which is always taken by Catholic clergy. (laughs) (laughs) Damn those priests. (laughs) What do they think they have the right to that spot for? Great spot at Kenmore Mercy. Have you ever looked? Yes, it is a good spot. Mm -hmm. I've parked in that spot. That's a good spot. Yeah, that is a good spot. I've gone totally off the rails now. That's okay. That's that's what we're here for. Benefits of being clergy. See, we've gone to irrelevance. Yeah, so, you know... It's all for it's the a, parking. It's a joke, but it's also, and, and, you know, part of us too is at annual conference, there's that sense of we're, I, I think I speak for you, but you can tell, tell me if I don't, I'm, I'm a, I'm a moderate, I'm, I'm center left. So a lot of the things that, 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 um, People are pushing for on either side. I don't find myself in the bleachers on one side or the other. No, I'm definitely not bleachers. And, and so there's, I almost feel like I'm irrelevant in the whole conversation right now. Because look, I, and, and, and I got to be honest, 100% disclosure, um, I, am, I am pushing my, my church to consider its affiliation with the United Methodist Church because of the general conference. But- not as you know radical as some. I yeah. And this is where I have struggled with some of our colleagues who have claimed that if we aren't in the bleachers, somehow we are being inauthentic in our Christian right, witness. Right. And that that attack has um really cut in a yeah. way where I've thought, yeah, is there no way that you can exist somewhere in the middle? Can you really join us? I mean, it's it's that typical reaction of whoever is not for us is against us, right? And I just think, you know, people say, "I'll never forget the first time I heard the speech of moderates are useless." I've heard I've heard the speech over and over again from people on the left and the right. Moderates are useless. Moderation is, is, that means you don't stand for anything at all. And, and to me, like the greatest example of why it's good to be a moderate is the business we're in itself. I mean, people who push to the edges of faith end up with blood on their hands. Yeah. Look at, I mean, look at history. I was just thinking that. I mean... It pays to be a moderate because you don't end up killing anybody. Well, and and this is where I think I go to you know, some of my uh, more distant family in in Iowa, Great Midwest. Uh, you'd think that they would be positioned probably to the right, and, and maybe in certain ways, yes. But they're all just solidly in the middle. Mm-hmm. They believe in the love of God. Mm-hmm. They believe in a God of grace. They believe in forgiveness. 
And they really don't want to see things parsed out in such a narrow way that somehow it's going to deny anyone or themselves an ability to be there to worship and be. Right. That's it. Right. I had a conversation with a parishioner who said, you know what, uh, he, you know, he was more conservative, but he said, look, you know, you, you are, you cannot do this. This is not, you're not promoting biblical doctrine. And I said to him, my argument, I disagree with you first. I disagree with you, but my argument really isn't with you. My argument with, is with a denomination that says you and I can't coexist together in the same place. Yeah. That's so, that's my... And, and I think both you and I have similar experiences in our local context where I have people that are theologically and, and hermeneutically very different than I am. Sure. But what I appreciate about where I'm at is there is a sense that we do not have to be lockstep with one another to still be in ministry with each other. Right. Right. And to love each other nonetheless. That's right. Which is where I see the greatest glory of God being is in that. And I fear that part of what's happening sort of particularly to the moderates and the moderate church is the church will become positioned in such a way that there will not be a place for the existence of such a reality. Right. You know the power of pride? I do not. Pride month. It, well, yeah. The power of pride is the fact that somebody who you know is gay or lesbian or transgender, and you didn't even know it. But there they are. And I think that's the power of the local church. All of us are here together, and we all come out in our various ways. Yeah. Whether we're, you know... Gay, lesbian, transgender, straight, cis, whatever it may be. Conservative, Republican, liberal, Democrat, Socialist, left, right, right, center, whatever. We all come out to each other. And the power of the local church is saying, you know what? I know that person. I really like them. Always have. They came out to me and I was surprised by their orientation. Yeah, whatever it is, but I still like them. I can I can deal with that. When you when you you can only do that at a local level. You can only be friends with somebody. You can't you can't make a platform of that. Well, and and this may be where <clears throat> that's the power of the middle. By the way, appreciating appreciating clergy and understanding what education. Mm-hmm helps bring in leadership Mm -hmm. is a place where that is possible. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's universal, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if that's part of what's lost in this argument about, you know, clergy compensation and and what's the value of all this is we're creating a place, a place that's different. That's right. And isn't that really the role of the churches? This is not like society. This is different. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, we, it's not either yeah, or. We don't have to apologize. It's both and. That's right. It's both and. And, and wildly different. And, and and we give as there is need. That's you know? right. It's the acts of the apostle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a shame because the casualty of the culture war ends up being the church. Yeah. And 
this is this is what a lot of people who are in a deep podcast. No, it's pretty good. Yeah, we're getting we're getting some. I thought we might get to some good stuff here. Yeah, next one might have to be more debauched, irreverent. (laughs) Just to kind of balance. Might have to pregame for the next one. Oh, definitely, definitely. We should go bowling, have a few beers, and then podcast. Nice. I know the song of the day for that too, though. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I'm sorry. No, that's, it's okay. No, I'm not sorry. It, Maybe we're going too heavy here. Maybe this is too heavy for the listener. But I, I just I think that the culture war has has destroyed the church. I know that a lot of people... Well, it rends your heart and my heart too, because I think oftentimes you and I end up when we get together going, are we wrong? Are, are we, it, it, is this, is what we do dumb? Right. Yeah. I, I'm being very direct here. Yeah. But I think that you and I kind of look at each other and go... Is this stupid? Yeah. Are are we stupid? Yeah. I feel like that all the time. Like maybe maybe the way I thought the church was going to be, maybe that was really stupid. Maybe maybe I'm the yeah, maybe I'm the dumb one. Maybe I'm the one that was duped. I yeah, exactly. Am I am I a have I been defrauded into this like thing that I I believe is true. I believe it's true. And I believe it's true for, you know, we can have this vision of what the, what the community, what community is supposed to be like. And come on, people get on the bandwagon here. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. But seriously. But then we go sit with some old person. They're not always old, but then we go sit with some old person and we see the good that we Mm -hmm. do with that. Mm -hmm. And I think, who else is going to do this? Right. This person, this brought meaning to this person right. today. Right. Being here, doing this. So, yeah. So we meet, we, we, we allow the, we provide a place for people to meet in the center. Yeah. We, we demonstrate. And challenge. And challenge. Cha- challenge both the right and the left. The opposite side, I think. Yeah, I think my greatest Bible studies. I often am advocating for the opposite side than I sit at, mm-hmm. just to make people think. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you why know, not this? Sure. Well, push, what about this? Push on people a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I I feel that. Um, and this is kind of a rewarding conversation for me, actually. Yeah. I I feel like as I'm talking here, it's like therapy. My con- my confidence in my calling and my confidence in the church is kind of being restored. Oh, I would I would say the same for me. My maybe maybe even my enthusiasm for the project, and maybe that's why we did this in the first mm-hmm. place. What an interesting idea to think of the church in 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 life and ministry as a project. It is a project. Yeah, it is a project. Yeah, and it's one of those messy ones, like when you're a kid and there's like buttons and glitter and glue, and it kind of looks like crap. Yeah. But you know in your head what you wanted it to look like. Yeah. And so we come right back around to the messiness of trying to explain the Trinity and (laughs) the disaster that is church finances today. Yeah. We're still, we're still there. Which we may have to do a whole nother podcast on church budgets just as an expression of ministry and the difficulty of 
I think that would be a really good one to do in the fall. Yeah, when what people it means are beginning to like to missionally th- budget. And, right. You know, not not that we it's a primer, but just more we can use all this language. But what really does it mean? I can use my own struggle of of like trying to do that with no money at all. Yeah. Yeah. Let's reflect the let's reflect the values of the of what we're trying to do in our budget. Wow. Is there a way that you can define even your staff people that is missional? Yeah. Some good stuff for the future. Heck yeah. I feel like this has been a very rewarding conversation. It has. Thank you. I feel better. I feel better too. And uh Thank you. you. How much do I owe you today, therapist? Um Oh, you're right. You chipped in for the beer. Yeah, I did. I was going to say, I, when I said you're right, I owe you in. a beer. Yeah, you chipped in. I owe you a beer. Or, uh, life is good. So, with that in mind, uh, we're going to sign off. That's right. It's a full moon, so go out there and... Arr, arr. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone have a great... It's uh, a strawberry. Uh, yeah. It's huge. It's beautiful. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. Thanks for joining us. Take care.